welcome to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library Podcast. Now, we really like to talk to librarians as often as we can on this podcast. We also like to talk to authors as often as we can. And today, we get to do both. Not only that, we get to talk to a former employee here at Ferndale, an old friend of ours, Tikidra Lofton, who writes under the pen name Ophelia Crane. She recently got her degree from Wayne State University, but she's currently the community engagement librarian at Taylor Community Library. Here's our chat. Have you been getting some writing done? That's the every author's favorite question. <laughs> yeah, actually. It's surprisingly difficult to yeah. do right now. I'm getting it done. I've, I've got a story that I've been working on very slowly, but it's coming along. It's so good to see you again, Takedra. We we miss you. I so, miss you guys too. Oh, Takedra's getting like legit sad on the Zoom here. <laughs> Frowny face for sure. Uh, joining me is Kelly Bennett, head of circulation here. I am uh, curious to hear about how your job at Taylor was going before the pandemic and how it's going now. <laughs> oh boy. Um, it was, it's different now. Like hiring in over at Taylor, it was, it was great. I had like all of a sudden all these opportunities to do all of this, these wonderful things, you know, and, you know, I was in my zone, I'm planning events and I'm doing all this great stuff. And, and then, you know, the, the pandemic, well, to give you an example of pandemic hit and I had like the summer was planned out and the pandemic hit and I had to ended up canceling most of the events that I had. A couple of them, a handful of them stuck around for like, you know, Zoom events and stuff like that. The hardest part has been the adjustment, you mm -hmm. know, just trying to, to pivot so that I don't, you know, feel like I'm not doing anything at all. Tell us about what inspired you to become a writer? I know it goes back to when you were very, very young. Yeah, I was a pretty imaginative kid when I was younger. My mom is a painter. So I grew up around pictures and paintings and what have you. And I, I was a storyteller then. I would try to draw and I am was then and am now the worst artist you ever saw in your life. No, sec second worst. <laughs> second worst, I have that trophy. No, you're second worst. I, I have, I, I have, like still proof of stuff that I did when I was little. <laughs> but, so my fifth grade teacher gave us an assignment one day to create books. And, you know, I love doing it so much. And she also noticed that I like to draw all the time, except I was not very good at it. <laughs> but she said to me, why don't you try? I, why, you know, you're trying to tell a story with your pictures. Why don't you try turning them in the book? From there, I created little books that I still have today. If I ever get famous, they'll go in a museum and be great. That is a um, that is a notably sort of, I guess, extra mile engagement work by that teacher. That's very cool of a teacher to do that. Just Yeah, I have been looking for her for years too, mm -hmm. because I wanna thank her. That's where it started. Like mm -hmm. from there went to my mom's typewriter and then I got a word processor and then I got a computer and it just kept building and building. At, um, at what point did you start becoming a writer in the genre that some folks would call horror? <laughs> and what well, yeah. I'm so glad you asked me that. Mm -hmm. You Well, I have to give like all thanks to Stephen King. I was... Never heard of him. Yeah, who's that guy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
I was I was 13, just started high school. We had an assignment and we could read any book we wanted. And the book that I found was Thinner. Oh, and wow. It was the first book I'd ever read where there there were there are no re- like real redeemable characters in that story. They're all kind of jerks. <laughs> and it blew my mind. I'm like, I didn't know you could write a story that didn't have good guys and bad guys. I didn't know there was an in-between. And, you know, I liked horror anyway. So so I was I just started devouring his books and um Dean Arcoots and Clyde Barker and and from there I just like I I want to do that I want to write like scary stories I I love the way that you know you can write a story that affects your brain you know like you (laughs) yeah that's interesting because it sounds like you were responding not even to the scares but to the structure and to the narrative and to the characters the opening scene to it you know it's it's forever burned into my memory you know and it's to be able to to it's it's like magic to me to be able to to think of something like that put it on paper and have somebody else read it and the images are forever burned into their mind that's like magic you know yeah words are magic yeah (laughs) Uh, Kelly, I think you read it. You can comment on that. Oh yeah, man, it uh, it isn't even like I don't even care about the scares. Yeah. It's the people that he creates and the nostalgia for even a time that I didn't exist in that really got me about that book. I listened to it as an audiobook, and it's like forty hours or something, and I was sad when it was over. It's just yeah, such a good book. So I wanted to talk about this really awesome collection of short stories you put out called 3AM and get you to talk about what inspired some of those stories. What you really do with those stories is you do create these characters that you want to get invested in and that uh, heightens the scary parts, you know? Yeah, yeah. I The whole idea of the collection was, well, behind the collection because a lot of the stories were written when I was a little younger than this. <laughs> Just a little younger than this. In my own personal experience, I have had instances where I've been hanging out with friends and they tell these stories that are just like, ah, that didn't happen. I, I, and it's urban legends and it's, you know, whatever happened to that guy. Oh, yeah, they found him. And oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the vein I was I was going for with all of these stories that they're kind of there are kind of stories that go bump in the night, even though they're all not. They're not all horror stories. They're right. still stories like that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just before you said it, I was going to say bump in the night. The phrase it was. Yeah, that comes to mind. Yeah, there. Um, I, of course, have my favorites out of the collection. The funniest fun fact about 3 a.m. I literally threw that thing together. I had this collection of source stories and I wanted to put a book out. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I want to put this all out. And I started going through them all. And I'm like, yeah, these all kind of sound like those three in the morning type stories. Okay, we'll go with that theme. Slap the cover on it and I stuck it out there. <laughs> and, it, and to this day, it's my bestseller. You never know. You there. never know. Yeah. Never can tell, you know. Yeah, I, I have a special place in my heart for that collection. <laughs> Kelly, what's the pen name of J.K. Rowling? Robert something? Oh, Robert Galbraith. What inspired your pen name, Ophelia Crane? It's a funny story, actually. <laughs> it's not a scary story? Okay, go ahead. Well, not. <laughs> I was I was working at, a, at um, a doctor's office. I worked at a doctor's office for like 15 years. And when you have a name like Takedra and you're working in any customer service-based type thing, you go through Takedra, Katedra, Tadidra, <laughs> to everything. And I was on a rant one day about, I'm going to change my name. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to change my name. <laughs> 
that day I talked to a pharmacist whose name was Ophelia. And I'm like, is that your real name? And she's like, <laughs> yes, I love that name. <laughs> so around the office, it became a joke. Like, oh, we're just going to call you Ophelia. Ophelia! Ophelia. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That'd be a great pen name, actually, because one of my favorite Shakespeare plays is Hamlet. Mm-hmm. The Hamlet's Ophelia. And a kind of witchy kind of last name would be Crane. Mm-hmm. Ophelia. Crane. I like that. Ophelia Crane. Runs off the top. That definitely. I remember <laughs> when you first uh, came to work here and uh, I pronounced your name correctly, you were like astonished. <laughs> I was like, well, you told me how to pronounce it. I memorized it. You know, like you're going to be working with me. We're supposed to work together. Like the first thing you do is figure out how to say someone's name. Right. Right. <laughs> I also like that for your for your pen name. You're like, all right, well, I, I have an artful flourish. Now I got to make it witchy. Yeah. The, just asking the question, can I make this witchier? Appreciate that. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Tell us more about why you love uh, horror, because I think that it can be, you know, it can be reduced to archetypes. It can be interpreted in different ways. And people think that, you know, if you enjoy horror, that you must be a, a, a troubled person. <laughs> That's silly. That's silly. (laughs) I think if you enjoy horror, it just means that you love horror. It just means that you have kind of a love for for that, which is, you know, impossible. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that if you love horror, you are also the type of person that loves fantasy or loves sci-fi. It's it's all kind of in the same vein to me, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. It surrounds the idea of wonder and that there are things we can't understand it doesn't mean that they're all horrifying or scary but the unknown is scary so you know having a little wonder in your life it's interesting because i'm a very real realist kind of a person i've been my boyfriend thinks i'm boring because i don't believe in ghosts (laughs) 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 but to kedra and i do yeah (laughs) but but i do I love sci-fi, I love fantasy, and I love horror. And I think maybe that's like, for me, that's my contact with the unknown world. The world Mm -hmm. I don't quote unquote believe in is still out there for me somewhere. Yeah, Yeah. I also think this opens, and Takeda, you can comment on this as an avid reader. Um, I think this opens up a deeper conversation about how we label genres. You know, a lot of what you read you personally and a lot of what you write could be called horror but maybe it isn't really exactly horror and kelly for example one of your favorite authors neil stevenson mm-hmm. is sci-fi but is he really sci-fi i was you know like taquita are you really horror what do you feel about genres because you also yeah. and you could talk about the there's sort of another genre that you write in too genre um to me well personally i find genres to be restricting i enjoy writing horror sometimes i enjoy writing something else anything else you know um i think that and i I don't really understand how authors can like stay in one specific genre there's so many wonderful stories out there that don't necessarily stick to you know your sci-fi or your your horror what have you one great thing about writing 3am is that i had a chance to kind of you know um, experiment in different types of genres gosh the whole idea of i feel like it really should, there should really should be a world where an author can write in whatever they want to write, you know? Like, I don't, I don't particularly like the idea of being known as a horror author or a whatever. I like being known as just an author, you know? Right. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, just like with music, 
it all comes down to marketing and you know obviously if you want that to be your career you had to kind of roll your eyes and step into that box for a while I suppose but yeah authors that kind of go in and out of those spaces I think are the, some of the most interesting oh yeah yeah I love to see it when it happens Neil Gaiman I don't know what genre he officially is in but to me if I, I feel like he he's like all over the place and I I I love it I when anything that he writes I'm in he has successfully been the guy who isn't pigeonholed yet and maybe there's one qualifier it's gonna be weird ish it's a weird tale that's like goes back to late 19th century lovecraftian stuff they were just called weird tales where does mortal compass fit how do you envision that book genre wise okay. <laughs> mortal compass i would put at um I, I i have the hardest time qualifying mortal compass honestly mm-hmm. i i people ask me what it's about i'm like ah, it's an adventure mm-hmm. it's it's kind of political yeah. um it's got a lot of social commentary in it i, I don't know where it fits honestly I, I can almost see it as a marvel movie even sure <laughs> like easily yeah I, I would not know where to put it i usually if if i list it anywhere it's usually as just fiction because i, I have yeah, i really don't not autobiographical we'll say that <laughs> well how about it's this fiction. Do you ever get an opportunity to engage with people? Writerly advice? Have you had the opportunity to give any writerly advice? Could you give us some writerly advice on this podcast? What are some of your <laughs> what are some of your go-tos when people ask you about how, oh gosh. how you do um, it? Do I have any go-tos? I it depends on what they ask. The weirdest question to me is how how I got started. Yeah. You know, or something in that vein. Mm-hmm. How did you get started? How did you come up with this idea? Um depends on the story. Like for Moral Compass, for example, it had a lot to do with what was going on in the world. And the whole idea of there being somebody who was a little bit, someone who wasn't a saint, you know, actually not so much saving the world, but but finding his own path in this messed up kind of Twilight Zone kind of place that we've all kind of found ourselves in. Yeah. There are days when I'm writing and it's I don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really just don't feel like doing it. But I found that if if you write every day, every single day, even if it's crap, it's it really does help. Like, it's an exercise. As, yeah, yeah. It's it's basically exercise mm-hmm. <laughs> for your brain, and it keeps the story fresh in your mind. Oh, okay. So of course, I want at least half of this conversation to be about libraries and our library and your new library. But yes. as we wrap up the writerly part of the conversation, is there anything you want to share about what you're working on lately? What it's like? Okay. What you're feeling about it? I don't know how I don't know how far I can go here. It's, it's okay. First of all, it is. Let me preface this by saying that this is a PG-13 story. Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe an R story. Okay. <laughs> Not farther than that. All right. I recently took a class in uh, Greek mythology and I was acquainted with the fact that the story of Medusa has an alternate story wherein um, Medusa is not, well, she is a monster, but her backstory is that she's actually a beautiful virgin who unfortunately gets raped in Athena's temple and Athena punishes, punishes her by making her a Gorgon. I'm like, hey, that would be a good story to write. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Didn't know that. So this, yeah, this story that I'm writing um, takes place in present day, and it follows. I, I decided not to go with the the virginal trope because I'm I don't like the sweet you know nice girl 
trope. So she's a little on the naughty side. She works as a sex worker and she finds herself in a predicament and she very slowly <laughs> starts to become a Gorgon. Oh. I like the idea because I wanted, in, in analyzing that story, the big question is whether Athena punishes the girl or is actually giving her something to protect herself. Oh. Ooh, I like that. Hopefully this will flesh out by the end of the year. Okay. <laughs> Knock on wood. That sounds like a great, great idea. Yeah, great that premise. that is a great idea. I- let's talk about you. Let's talk about what put you on the road to be, wanted to be, wanted to become a librarian. What made me want to become a librarian? Yeah. Um, probably the most logical decision I think I've ever made in my life. Oh. <laughs> I am only upset that I didn't, come to this conclusion when I was out of high school. I could have been been doing this. Mm-hmm. Everything that I am is what a librarian is in, in my point of view. The librarians are they are warriors for their community. You know, they are all about making a better place, really. Like making a better world, really, just through information and through um, education and through reading. <laughs> and just just the entire being of being a librarian makes me feel like I am a part of not only my community, but I'm a part of this world. You know, I'm plugged into this world by being a librarian. I know, extremely poetic. Okay? <laughs> but it's, it's how I feel when I kind of went into it. I went into doing it at school because I thought, well, I like libraries. I love libraries actually, you know, and why not work in one? Sounds like a good idea. And the more I got to learn about it and the more I got to actually work as like with you guys as a circulation clerk, <laughs> the more I began to understand, oh, well, librarians are more than just people that show you where the books are. Librarians are, you know, real, real community. You know, we, we, str- we, we really do strive to make the best possible community that you could live in. That's, that is huge. So I'm like, why not be a part of that? I really do feel like empowered now that I'm a librarian. I'm so glad I went on this path. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when we interviewed you and then the early days, just I thought, well, here is a woman who has had experience like managing an office and all of this stuff. And and the idea of you coming to like coming to this new profession and stuff, it was like it was exciting for me, too, because I knew you could bring some of the skills that you had from your other position with you, but that you'd also we'd also be helping like to launch you on this new path for yourself. And that's something over the years as somebody who has been able to like hire lots of people. That's one of the the things I didn't realize I would enjoy about it is like bringing somebody into our fold. And I think we have a pretty special environment here. Oh God, yes. But also like, you know, what are they gonna what are they gonna learn here and what are we gonna learn from them and what new things can we make together? And I feel like, you know, when I met you, I'm like, all right, cool. Like we get to have somebody who's got like an authoritative, you know, she's confident, she she can like manage weird stuff. Cool, calm and collected. <laughs> but also like, oh, she's like really excited about libraries. Like nobody goes to library school who isn't excited about being a librarian. Right. And just like, oh, yeah, like, what's this going to be like for her? You know, so I'm I'm happy that we helped launch you on to what sounds like a really great position at Taylor. Yeah. And energy was the word. I always enjoyed Takeda's energy. And that's why 
she and I often didn't work on the same day, but I would come into this library just to visit her. Um, yeah, <laughs> tell us about getting the gig at Taylor and what that entails. Uh, the number one thing that I realized throughout this entire journey, and probably especially at Taylor, working in a position that, that I, and I'm not trying to put down my old position working at the doctor's office by any stretch of the imagination, but it did not fit me. And working a job that is a bad fit, you don't really know how much you lose until you are put in a position that fits like a glove. You know, I'm finding myself like from the day I got hired, (laughs) it was like, wow, it's, it's really this easy. I don't have to fight for every little thing. It's, it's, wait, you, you, you want me to actually, you want my creativity? You, <laughs> like, I can't believe that, okay? <laughs> I remember um, after I had gotten in, this is actually a pretty funny story because I, in my old position, it, we were a small staff. So I was used to doing everything, even stuff I wasn't, you know, that wasn't my job description. Oh, maybe a month or so in, we started talking about rearranging the the DVDs. And I'm like, okay, well, no problem. I'm talking to everybody about how I want to do it and everything. And it was going okay. And I decided, okay, so I'm going to start putting these stickers on here so we can like start genrefying them. I mean, I just started grabbing them and I just started putting the stickers on. And my boss kind of pulled me aside and said, okay, so we have people to do that. (laughs) 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 You don't have to do that. Uh, I'm like, wait. (laughs) I totally sympathize with that story. I'm, I mean, we, this library has gone through lots of changes over the years. And at one point, this there was a staff of like five here. So you can imagine mm-hmm. everybody did everything. And, you know, over the years of us growing and getting more money and stuff, it was like, oh, I probably don't need to process CDs as a head of circulation anymore, you know. Um, but realizing those like things that you can give to other people, not just to free yourself up, but as like an opportunity for them to grow. That's been like a big area for me of like growth of like, you can let that go. Other people can do it. You know? <laughs> well, here's that. And I, I, in doing that though, it kind of um, shifted my focus. Like I, and I got to give a shout out to my bosses, uh, Vanessa Verdon Morris and uh, Shauna Anderson. They're, they really kind of pick me up and put me in the direction I need to go. Um, and I've had some wonderful experiences. The probably one of the best things was I got to do an event that was uh, discussing Islamophobia in America. Yeah, it was a panel, right? Yeah, it was marvelous because in a city um, that has a, dare I say, um, reputation, mm-hmm. It, it was kind of considered a little bit daring to do something, you know, like that. And I kind of took it like, look, I it's it's an issue. It needs to be discussed. We are the place to discuss it. Let's just do this, mm-hmm. you know, and it went off great. It went off without a hit. Yeah, you're the community engagement librarian, which I love that title. Those two words yeah. are those two words in general, even separately, are integral to what a librarian does in the 21st century. They're all about community. They are all about engagement. You know, I love. Oh, yeah. Like every every event, every experience that I have has been just 
great, man. Just from the little things to, to there was a, a point where I was um, doing the afternoon movie. We're showing afternoon movies. And there was one point where the movie I chose was The Wiz. And we had a whole family come in to watch it. And there was this, this, this lady who was telling her grandchild, who's it can't be older than than six or seven uh yes that's that's michael jackson that's michael jackson yes (laughs) (laughs) she's like telling this kid all these sorts of fun facts all through the movie about about the movie and the time period that it was in and and all this stuff and i'm like man this is why i do this okay (laughs) is that little kid's gonna remember that movie you know forever because of that it's also going to be tied to a memory of visiting the library too. Yeah. 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 I know Jeff can attest to this. You know, we, he and I do the summer concerts together and first stop Friday. And sometimes I just in awe and I'll look around, even if it's not a big crowd, but especially if it's a big crowd and it's like, we made this. Yeah. This is a thing, you know, whoa, like maybe we're not making the music, but we like put the people here. We did all. And then you just kind of like sit back and you go, look, I made that magic. Uh, so awesome. Yeah, and I guess everything that we could be doing is so limited now in a post-pandemic world. Is there anything that you are dreaming up or things you want to try to do? Are you attempting anything virtually? What's life like now? Yeah, yeah. There are, like, at the moment, um, we're focusing on more um, community-based things as opposed to um, um, specific events mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. <laughs> Um, One of the things that I'm currently working on is we're working to create uh, a tiny libraries. We're calling them tiny Taylor libraries around the city of Taylor. Yeah. (laughs) So we're, we're starting that initiative. Uh, We're going to be starting that initiative in the fall, which I am totally excited about. I expect big things. (laughs) We are working on a story walk. Oh, we just got approved for a story walk for uh, Taylor, which that is going to be cool. Like we're, really uh, working on things to tie to that are, um, you know, more, more community-based, I would say, mm-hmm. as opposed to specific stuff. So I, I, I am really, really, really looking forward to probably the one thing that we are shifting to are online book discussions. Oh, great. Which personally, I love book discussions. I, I was running the adult book discussion uh, prior to all this, and I have fallen in love with all of the people that come to the book discussion. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Which is awesome. So but we're shifting to online and there's nothing better than talking about, uh, even if you hated the book. Oh, yeah. There's nothing better than that. (laughs) Some of the best book discussions I've ever been involved with were when we did hate the book. But that's because that's the best thing about books, Takita, which you probably know, is that books can make such an impression on someone, even more so than one movie or one song, which can enter your consciousness and maybe be kind of fleeting, but a book is 200 or 300 pages that you sit down and spend all this time with. You kind of are invested. And if you really hate it, then maybe you're kind of upset about it. Yes. <laughs> but oh, if man. you loved it, you really want to share that with someone. I know there, um, one of, uh, the ladies in my book club, I am always looking to her to see if she liked or hated the books. Cause she's only one way or the other. She either <laughs> loves it or she hates it. And she always has the most brilliant things to say. Nice. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're hilarious. I love it when you come to the meeting. <laughs> I, that's the other thing, getting to choose the books too is pretty awesome because I, like I said before, I don't, I don't believe in sticking to, 
to one thing in terms of reading. Like yeah. I, I do actually read everything. So I'm going to pick books that people may not necessarily even think about. You what do you, like you want to pick next? Um, I think the next one, well, well, the next one we're reading is Where'd You Go, um, Bernadette. Okay. Oh, it's a fun but one. After that, um, I want to do something that is in the vein of social justice. I haven't really decided yet. Okay. Uh, there are, and, and there are a plethora <laughs> I could choose from. There was one in particular that I may choose that was fictional called The Revisioners. But the book was fiction, but it was, it was, I, I fell in love with it. Like, honestly, I, I really fell in love with it. See, now I'm looking it up. Revisioners. <laughs> Revisioners by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton. Yeah, it was, it's it's kind of, it's a story of one family, but in uh, three different timelines. It's like present day and in the 20s and then um, in slavery. And it's it's oh, wow. like, really, I, I it's, it's so deep. You know, and how everything is different, but it all kind of stays the same in terms of uh, black folks and their per- perception of white folks and their perception of the world and their perception of their own culture and, and all of that. And it's just it's really a good book. I, right I am seriously, seriously considering it for the next book. <laughs> well, I may have to listen to one of those. I think, you know, a lot of the recommendations going around right now in the social justice vein are nonfiction, which is great. You know, obviously, we have lots to learn, all of us, about history and all of that stuff. But sometimes I think it's nice to escape into the more poetic world. And sometimes those stories hit you more. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen, yeah, like I've seen changes in my old man dad from watching movies that if you tried to give him a history book or a lecture about something, he would just be like, meh. But when he found a character <laughs> to like latch on to, then he's telling me a story like he watched Dallas Buyers Club. This is one of my favorite stories about my dad. And he just was totally taken by Jared Leto's character and literally said wow. to me, well, he's just got a feminine soul. And I was like, Aww. who are you, dad? Like, where did you come from? You know. <laughs> and so when people poo poo fiction or movies as just kind of, you know, fluffy or a waste of time or they don't change anybody, I feel like that's not true. And it can kind of take down that that wall that some people might have about changing their mind. Absolutely. Um, sorry to like interrupt your <laughs> your nice story about your okay. book. It just reminded me of, of that kind of thing that likes, you know, keep in mind folks when you're reading to learn more, don't forget fiction. I think it's yeah, and, yeah, and that brings us back to the way that literature can shift our perspective on things. Like when you were talking about your idea for your new book about Medusa, you know, it got me thinking about, you know, in a way, every monster has an origin and the perception of what this monster's curse is could be switched to something of empowerment. So I'm interested to see oh, yeah. that one. Yeah. I know there's probably, um, oh gosh, I'm t- I can't tell you how many times that's actually, I've seen that very thing happen. Mm-hmm. You know, someone has changed their position because of a fiction. It happened in the, well, goodness, it happened in the adult book club, actually. <laughs> the very first book that I did was Beloved. And mind you, at the time, the majority of the book club members were elderly white women. Mm-hmm. And the bulk of the discussion was disbelief mm-hmm. in the ter- mm-hmm. in the way of, I just didn't know that it was that bad kind of you know, that, that that time was so awful and and what have you. And I had a couple of them actually come up to me after, like, 
thank you for recommending this book. I, it really, I can't even, it blew my mind, you know? And I'm like, that's what I'm looking for, okay? Yes. I want you to read something that blows your mind, you know? Which happens when you read stuff that you would normally read. Mm-hmm. Librarians, they well, want you to read something that'll blow your mind. <laughs> Let's make yes. a t-shirt. Let's make a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Takedra, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. been great. And it's good to see you too. Yeah. Yeah, it's so great to see you guys. And that was our chat with Takedra Lofton, a former employee here at the Ferndale Area District Library, currently community engagement librarian over in Taylor. And sounds like she's doing some really awesome work over there. And hopefully when things get a little more normal out there, she can get back to more engagement of said community. Her pen name as an author is Ophelia Crane. That's opheliacrane.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. She has several books published, and we can say they're all circulating here at the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo. I was joined by Kelly Bennett, and this podcast is called A Little Too Quiet, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, visit ferndalefriends.org. Like and subscribe and tell a friend. It's a library podcast.